sins of my life back in front of me. Anybody else have that nightmare? And I'm thinking, if that's what it looks like, I just don't want to be there for that. I don't want to be there for that. But the good news is it doesn't look like that. The first judgment that we're going to talk about is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And when that happens, we know when this is going to happen. It's when Jesus Christ returns. In fact, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story and he's having a party. And he says, when you have a party, don't just invite your friends. Invite the poor and the lame and bring them in. And then he says this in verse 14. He says, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So what that tells us is, is when Jesus Christ returns, and when He returns, He resurrects those who believe in Him, then after the resurrection, then, then that is when the rewards will be given out to those who follow Jesus Christ. And this is what the judgment scene looks like. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, all the, um, For we must all appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the good things while done in the body, whether good or bad. And says, so this, most scholars, and I, I agree with this, most scholars think that the judgment seat of Christ is for believers, it's for Christians. It's when he says, for all of us must appear, he's writing to a church, and he's saying, us believers will appear before this judgment seat of Christ. And it's not an issue of being judged or condemned. Because as a believer in Christ, your salvation has already been purchased. It's not a matter of whether you're going to heaven or hell. But what it is, it's a place of reward. In fact, that term judgment seat in the Greek is called bema. It's the bema seat. And it's not where a judge would sit and dole out his verdict and, and cause judgment or condemnation on people. It's actually a picture of where they would sit and give out the Grecian awards for uh, for running a race, a crown or a wreath for first place or second place or third place. And he says, you all will stand before this, this seat where they will dole out the rewards just like if you ran a race. In fact, in a, in a parallel passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about uh, how this isn't a place of condemnation, but it's a place of passing through what has been done before. In fact, the analogy is a fire. And he says, your whole life, you're building things. You're building uh, things for yourself. You're building things, hopefully, for the Lord. And he says, everything that is built for you is flammable. And everything that is built for God isn't flammable. And God will light a fire to the, the work of your life. And everything that was done for you and for this world gets... Burnt up. And everything that is done for Christ passes through the fire and is the basis for your reward in heaven. In fact, this passage we just read, 2 Corinthians 5.10, when he says, well, you'll be, uh, be given things, whether good or bad, the translation could also be light or heavy. Things that were meaningless or things that had weight to them, eternal weight, things that mattered, things that are important, the things of life and death. Those are the things we'll be rewarded for. Now, the cool thing is, is God is a good giver of good gifts. I can remember uh, my kids, we would do this at the elementary school. Right down the road, there was a little, a little ice cream shop. And the ball fields was right there. It was called Little Hooties. Anyone ever been to Little Hooties in Houston? We go to, it, it didn't matter if it was a ball game or a spelling bee or a writer's tee or a, um, 
uh, academic achievement or a band achievement or, or uh, man, they just did good in their grades. We would take them to Little Hooties as their reward. Chocolate all around their face. Dripping down their hand. But a big smile because they got rewarded for the good things they had done. Guys, there is a father in heaven who loves to give good gifts to his children. And he is watching and weighing. And when you do something in his name and for him, he sees it and he will reward you. Believers will be rewarded for how they live their life. Now, can you imagine how awesome it will feel for Jesus himself to hand you rewards and tell you, well done, said, you hit the mark. You did what I asked you to do. Can you imagine how great it would feel to know that God is pleased? That day is coming for those who are believers and who are living for Him and are building a reward for themselves in heaven. In fact, the Bible describes there's more rewards than this, I believe, but five different crowns, and I'll run through them real quick. Quick, uh, There's the incorruptible crown, Scripture talks about. It's for running a faithful race and living a righteous life. Every single one of us can be that. The people that were just baptized have pledged to live a faithful life to Christ. And all of us who stay faithful and true to Him can receive the incorruptible crown. Then there's another crown called the the crown of rejoicing. It's for those who share their faith. They invite people to church. They tell people about the good news. And they let the good news of Christ known. Those will receive the crown of rejoicing. Because they'll be so pumped about the people that are there with them. There's also the crown of righteousness. It's for those who long for His return. The crown of righteousness is simply, if you just can't wait for Jesus to come back, if you're longing for that day, remember we learned a term last week called Maranatha, the Lord is returning. If you're just eager for that, you'll get the crown of righteousness. I like this next one. It's the crown of glory. It's for faithful pastors. Woo woo. I mean, I want to stay faithful to the end because there's a crown waiting for me. And there's a crown waiting for you. If we stay faithful to the Lord, there's a crown of life. We won't see many of these handed out, at least around here. But it's for those who are martyred or suffer greatly for Christ. Those who are willing to lay down their lives or carry a burden or be hurt or maimed or otherwise suffer for Christ in in a very real way. They get the crown of life. Man, when you get a trophy, man, I don't know how you get, when you get a trophy, I get a trophy, I want to show it off. And I think maybe the temptation is to think when we get these crowns and we get these rewards, we're going to be, we're just going to be strutting around heaven, check it out. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Because we get a snapshot in Revelation chapter 4. There's, there's what's called 24 elders. They're surrounding the throne of God. And they have crowns on their heads. And you know what they do with those crowns? They bow down before God. They bow down before Jesus Christ. And they worship Him. And they can still see the nail-scarred hands in His hands and in His feet. And and those hands place this crown on their heads or on your heads. And what they do with the crowns are the same things you and I will do with our crowns and our reward is we'll cast them back towards the feet of Jesus Christ. 
proclaiming that it's not our worth, but His worth. Not that we're worthy, but that He's worthy. Not that we're good, but that He's good. Not that we're loving, but that He's loving. Not that we're faithful, but that He's been faithful. Yes. It's going to be an awesome day when we get to honor Christ with our gifts back to Him. Now, it matters. As believers in Jesus Christ, it matters how we live this life. It matters. <clears throat> Let me give you a little suggested timeline. I'm not 100% accurate. I can't promise you this is the way it goes down. But the best way I can understand how the scriptures unfold toward the end of times is simply this. That Jesus Christ is going to return. And we talked about it last week. And when he returns, he's going to call his children to meet him in the air. Dead or alive, you'll be snatched up and caught up and meet him in the air. And then we will go and be with him forever. And what we just read, that means, and as soon as that happens, we will get the rewards that God has for us. And while we're getting our rewards, there's some things happening here on earth that aren't so pretty. Israel is going to sign a covenant with a, a man called the Antichrist. And this ruler is going to, going to dominate the globe for seven years. It's called the 70th week of Daniel. And this seven-year period is going to be the most hellacious seven years that the world has ever known. Though the moon will turn blood red. Half, a third of the water will turn to blood. That's just two of the horrible things that are going to happen during a seven year period. And Antichrist will deceive the nations. He will rally them and it's going to culminate in this battle between the armies of Antichrist and God himself. Jesus will ride out of heaven on a white horse. His army following him. And that's us who believe. And Jesus will win the battle of Armageddon. He will bind Satan. In fact, he's such light work, he gets one of his angels to do it. And he says, hey, will you take care of this guy for me? And Satan is bound for a thousand years. And Jesus himself will rule and reign. It's called the millennial kingdom. For a thousand years, he'll reign on this earth as king of kings and lord of lords. Is that anybody excited? And after that thousand years... Satan will be released and then there'll be the last judgment, the great white throne judgment, which we'll get to in a second. And then God will institute a new heaven and a new earth. It's called, we think of it as heaven, but it's paradise for eternity and we will live with God and he with amen. Now, let's talk about heaven a second. What's going to be like? What are we going to do for eternity? Are we going to get bored in heaven? Do we seriously have to watch half-naked baby angels strumming a harp? I mean, is that really, is that really what we're talking about here? I don't want any part of heaven if that's what it looks like. That sounds like hell to me. No. God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Look at this verse here, Revelation 21.1. John is writing this and then he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Everything you see is going to be gone. And God's going to recreate the whole world with a new heaven and a new earth. And that gives us great hope because God will establish a new world without the curse of sin. Think about this for a second. 
Genesis chapter 3, when everything went south, God cursed work. He cursed the ground. And this world is cursed and broken and not how God intended it. And He's going to remove that curse by creating a new earth and a new heaven for us to live on for forever. What you enjoy here, you'll enjoy there. You like chocolate ice cream? I bet they got some great chocolate ice cream in heaven. You right? You with me? Whatever you enjoy here, you'll enjoy there. Plus, it'll be so much better that our mind can't comprehend it. Maybe we'll be able to talk to animals. Maybe we'll be able to teleport. Maybe we'll be able to smell colors. Maybe there's a whole thousand more colors we've never thought of. A thousand more smells that are good smells that we've never smelled before. And we just have no idea how awesome heaven is really going to be. The best moment you've ever had on earth, heaven will be indescribably better. The best time you've ever had, the best moment, the best season of your life, the best day you've ever had, won't be able to compare to what heaven is like. Man, I don't know about you, but I love snow days. Anybody else love snow days? I love snow days. I'll tell you why I love snow days. Because for a whole day, I'm not pastor, I'm not handyman, I can't do any work. And I just get to be dad and husband. And we, it takes us 20 minutes to find, you know, mittens that we all mix mass mentions, you know, none of them match and they're too small or too big. But we find all the stuff that's fun and the kids are excited and we go out and we play in the snow. We just have a ball together. And they're just kids. There's no electronics out there. It's just kids. And then we come inside and we're freezing and we get hot chocolate and we get the fire started and they're all snuggled up tight and close and we get under a blanket together and we watch a movie or something. And that, guys, is like the best day, isn't it? I love snow days. Can I tell you something? Heaven is going to be so much better than that. It's going to be far better than that. In fact, this is what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 2. What no eye has seen... What no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived. These are the things God has prepared for those who love him. He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. You like flowers, man. I'm going to show you some flowers. You like sports. We're going to have all kinds of sports. You like this. You like that. I've got it for you in spades in heaven. It's going to be good. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and remove the curse. And that means another great truth is you will never suffer again. Think about that a second. You'll never suffer again. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Talking about God. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. If you're hurting this morning, if you're, if you're struggling this morning, you've got to know something that there's a God in heaven who hurts when you hurt and there's coming a day where he will, he will feel your pain. He'll sit next to you and empathize with you and he'll explain to you why you had to go through what you had to go through and he will make every wrong right and he'll take his finger and wipe the tear from your face. That's how good our God is. And there'll be no more pain. And no more crying. No more suffering. 
That's a beautiful picture of what God has in store for us. You'll never have headaches again or cancer again or sickness again. Our world will never have war again or divorce again. You'll never feel lonely anymore. There'll be no more agony or pain. It's all done away with because the curse is done away with. The enemy is done away with. This flesh that loves to feed itself and do for itself, it'll be done away with. And everything that can corrupt us will be removed and everything will be good for forever. You'll never suffer again. You'll also live with God forever. You'll live with God forever. And listen to this verse, Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. The final declaration from the throne of heaven is this. It's over. It's finished. It's finally done. I finally get what I want. I finally have my children who love me drawn back to me and I'm back with them. Like I had in the Garden of Eden and I was close and intimate with two people. Now I'll be close and intimate with billions of people who have chosen to follow me and love me and receive me as their Lord. I'll finally get what I wanted. Why would God do that? And God, why would God want that? Because love is who He is. It's the character and nature of God. He can't separate Himself from love. He is love. And He created you and you and you and you and me as objects of His love. That's why He made you. So he could pour out. He could demonstrate. He could let you experience the love that he has for you. That's why he made you is to enjoy his love. You know what we tell people before they get baptized? Just soak up the goodness and love that God has for you today. He's so pleased with you. Man, that is what heaven will be like every moment of every day. The full pleasure of God poured out into our hearts. And God is satisfied. Now my kids are getting older. And they're always spending the night somewhere. Or off here or that and there. Can I be honest as a daddy? I like when they're all in my house. And I got them all there. And I know where they are. Every head's accounted for. That's satisfying. Man. God's in heaven cheering us on. Begging us to come to faith in Him. Wanting us to know Him because He wants to gather His children. He doesn't want anyone to stray. He doesn't want anyone outside the home. He doesn't want anyone outside of heaven. He wants to gather every one of us to be with Him. Because God is that good. His love is that complete. And as believers, we have that to look forward to. The pleasure of God poured out on us. Now, there's a problem. There's a problem because most of us believe that heaven is the default destination in life. When this world's over, that's just kind of where we all end up one way or another. But it's not. The bare bad news, hell is the, is the default destination to everyone that's born into this world. I heard it a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. Well, let's just use Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe dies. And people gather around at the funeral home. Or maybe in the home. And they're saying, you know, Joe wasn't really much of a churchgoer. 
Joe, uh, you know, he, uh, he wasn't real religious. He, he, Joe made some mistakes in life, but he was a good guy. And so I'm so glad that he's in a better place. Now, why do we say that? Why do we think that? Why do we believe that? We do that for our own selves to try to make sense of what's happened and to feel better about what's happened. We, because we believe that heaven is the default destination. He may not have been perfect or living the right way, but, but God's going to kind of let him in. It's the thinking that, well, you know, we're all kind of messing up and screwing up and nobody's perfect, but, but God's going to just find a way and make a way and we kind of all end up in heaven, right? I got to share with you some sobering words from Jesus himself. He says this, Matthew chapter seven. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the path or the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It's the tragedy of life that many people who believe that the default destination in life is heaven are actually on the default destination road leading to hell. And God is up in heaven saying, come be with me. I don't want that for you. But if that's the road we take, there is a a second judgment. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. The second judgment is called the great white throne judgment. And this judgment is for people that either don't believe or refuse to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord. And Revelation chapter 20 describes this judgment. It says this. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Listen to this description of God. And earth and the heavens fled from his presence. And there was no place for them. He's awesome. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead, listen to this, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Anyone who has not called on Jesus Christ for forgiveness, anyone that has not made the conscious choice to receive Him as the Lord and the Savior of their life will be judged not on His righteousness, but based on the righteousness of the life that they've lived. And the Scripture said, if anyone doesn't have Christ's perfect life covering their life, they're going to be found deficient. No one will be declared righteous. And every single one of the people that go to the great white throne judgment will be thrown into the lake of fire. If you're not a believer, it pains me to say that's your destiny. You say, wait a minute, that's not fair. There's God sending people to hell again. Why would He do that? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's not fair. You ever known somebody that was seriously wronged or hurt by someone else and that person got away with it? There was no payment, there was no retribution, there was no justice. You know what's not fair is that person going unpunished. So what happens at the great white throne judgment is God is making every wrong right. And the people that refuse to let Jesus Christ pay for the sins that they've accumulated will have to pay for them themselves. 
That's not only fair, it's just. What's not fair? you got to hear this loud and clear. What's not fair is that God has opened the gates of heaven wide and says, I want you with me. And then you deserve a lake of fire. And my son didn't deserve what he got. Punishment and torture and death. But he was willing to swap with you. He was willing to go to death for you so that all your sins could be covered and paid for through the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he did that, what's not fair is you can now be with me in heaven for forever. It's not fair, but that sure is good. That's good news, isn't it? It's good news, isn't it? Guys, that's why we give the crowns back. Because every single one of us are there, not on our merits, but on his merits. If you are a believer, can I give you some application today? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, can I ask you, do you live a life worthy of a reward? Are you living your life in such a way that when you get to heaven, there will be rewards waiting on you, not because you can brag or boast, but because you are so grateful for what Jesus has done for you that you want your life to be an offering to him and say, God, I want to live my life worthy of you. That's his challenge to us this morning. The great, the, the judgment seat of Christ, be not ashamed in that day, but be excited about that day. Now, if you've, if you've been sitting here and you've been sp- feeling some tension in your heart and, and some discomfort and maybe wiggling in your chair, and the reason maybe that you feel this way is you realize today that if you stood before God, before the great white throne judgment, you would be found guilty. And you recognize that, that your, your own works are insufficient to satisfy a holy God. You're disqualified from heaven. I've got good news for you this morning. That God, even though He is just and He punishes our sins through Jesus Christ, He has decided He would not punish us as our sins deserve. That He was willing to take on all the guilt, all the shame, all the condemnation, all the death that our sin deserves and put it on His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you might have life and not face that judgment, but welcome, be welcomed into the gates of heaven. Amen. So that's your decision this morning. He's able to forgive every sin. There's not a sin represented in this room. There's not a sin in your life that he hasn't already paid for. If you're willing to receive him. No matter what you've done. He wants to make you new. Guys, if that's you this morning, that's why you're here today. God brought you here today to hear the good news that you can have life and forgiveness in Jesus Christ if you will only yield your life to Him and give Him the due He deserves and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Will you pray with me this morning? God, everybody just focused in on you and and not missing this moment. God, this is serious stuff. This is judgment. This is life. This is eternity. And God, as you've spoken this morning, there's people here that need to make a decision, that need to, that are ready and willing now to offer their life back to you. And they say, I believe that Jesus has what I need. I believe He is the way. And if I, by faith in Him, I can have forgiveness. If that's you this morning, simply pray with me. Say, God, I admit I need you. I admit that I have sinned. I, I know that if I stood before you in the judgment, I would be condemned. And so I'm abandoning my own goodness. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. 
I'm trusting Him for eternity. I'm entrusting Him with my life. Come in and forgive me. If that's you this morning with nobody looking around, raise your hand. We want to know. We want to encourage you. We want to challenge you. Don't miss this moment. Declare your faith in God. If you accepted Christ this morning, simply slip your hand up. Nobody looking around. We want to know. Praise God for that. Who else? Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for these that have said yes to you. It's never too late. But now is the moment to get right with you. And God, for the rest of us, there is a reward waiting for us if we will, if we will live in such a worthy manner. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.